All right. Hello and welcome to the Sales Legit Podcast. Let's buy your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey seven, permanent appreciation, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tall like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny B. I am joined today by the one, the only token Tony. Hey, what's up? I, I'm still surprised how you get through that intro as good as you do. So. <laughs> I, you know what? It's funny too because I, I always thought like maybe I should write it down, and then I was like, eh. Then you, because no, then you, you start like, rail, then you start reading you just, it, right? And then you're like, yeah. fuck, what if I... You, you rattle it off, no problem. That's it. But it, it's funny, because when I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, let's make sure I get them all. Like, but yeah, mm-hmm. kind of rolls off the tongue. It just... Oh, yeah, especially the steak. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, what was I going to say? So how are you guys doing down there? Uh, seems like shame's shit, different day. And surprisingly, it was cloudy, like slight sprinkles today in vegas but it was just odd today yeah we had an odd day up here too it was it was like three degrees and raining mm-hmm. and it was just a gross humid nasty muggy day so it was uh it was gross but i got out to skate today before the rain started but i imagine the rinks all like they all got nasty up tonight like oh, and, maybe two- yeah yeah, so that's kind of the shit. But it's supposed to get cold again tomorrow. But that's good. That's the one good thing is like at least with the rinks open, you can kind of get out and do some shit. But exactly, yeah, get get yourself a little motivated, a little sun, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of get out of the house yeah. and all that. Yeah, I've been yeah. doing some hiking, some walking, and all that around right. to get me up and going. But so you gotta you gotta find a reason to get up. Otherwise, if you don't if you don't find a reason, a reason to put on pants won't present. It's hard. Yeah, I've been walking at least once to our local Panera, which is round trip about a little over. It's probably about two kilometers or about a little bad. over a mile. So, oh, wow, that's not bad. That's a good walk. Yeah, yeah. I usually go up there two or three times each day, get a coffee each time. Nice, nice. I like that. Oh, and uh, we just ordered some uh, Tim Hoes from uh, Sam's Club. Nice. A two nice. two pound two pound bag. So. Nice. It'll probably last maybe a month. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it brews strong. That's the one thing I Uh, like of all the take of all the take home like coffees. They like it's not the same. Like, but like when you get Starbucks to take home and do it versus having it there, it's just not the same. But Tim Hortons does brew strong, which I like. It it does, and I've been using a French press, so yeah, I've been making it even stronger than usual. I like it. Speaking of fancy, did you uh, hear about the Caps today? What happened with them? No, no, I didn't hear what happened with them. They got uh, fined a hundred thousand um, dollars, and four players got put on the COVID protocol list. Um, so here's so it's a it's a really fucked up situation. So the four players are Alex Ovechkin, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Andre Burakowski. And uh, Ilya Samsonov. So what, from what I gather and the fact that I gathered from it, like reading up on it, apparently what happened is they got together and hung out in one of their hotel rooms, like the four of them. Mm-hmm. They weren't wearing masks and they were like playing video games and hanging out and they got busted. And so I don't know if another team was in that hotel and was like, hey, fucking cats are messing around here. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. And so they got uh, notified. So here's the thing, though. So I thought it was like, oh, shit, they all got COVID or something. No, 
So what basically happens is those four have to isolate from the rest of the team. They have to undergo tests and they're ineligible for practice tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, but could possibly pending negative COVID test be back. But my question is this, at what point does this start to not make any sense? They're allowed to be in the dressing room together. Mm -hmm. They don't wear masks on the dressing room. They don't wear masks on the bench. They Mm -hmm. don't wear masks when they're on the ice. Mm -hmm. So if they're, if, at every one of those points, you could be assured that they none of them have COVID. Where the mm-hmm. fuck are they getting it between the rink and their hotel room? It, it, be, all- yeah. Uh, what I don't get is why go through the protocol for all through four of them at least the first time, especially if they do all that together. Anyhow. Mm-hmm. They're all in like the it, same room. If they had an outsider, I can understand, or something yes. like that, or maybe some somebody from the other team, or yeah, if it, even yeah, a like if it had been the four, something. Well, yeah. if it had been the four of them with a guinea Malkin, for instance, like let's say a bunch of the Russian players all got together and hung out, mm-hmm. then I could be like, yeah, okay, you guys should be intermingling with the other teams at the mm-hmm. best of times. But mm-hmm. like, especially right now, you shouldn't be uh, mingling with the enemy, and. Mm-hmm then I could be like, okay, yes, you have to separate them, test them, whatever, because hypothetically somebody on that staff could have something, whatever. But it just seemed weird. And, and that's kind of like one of the big things now is just like, how far is too far with it? Because I get protecting the players and all the efforts that are being made. But to me, this doesn't really strike me as a violation. It wasn't like they had, as you said, an outsider or anything like that. It was just mm-hmm. four guys that would normally be hanging up. They could have been sitting on the bus together back to the hotel and mm-hmm. then decide, hey, guys, let's just fucking go and play some video games in my room or let's wa- rent a movie or let's yeah. play cards, whatever the fuck we want to do. Yeah, with, with that even being said, I, I, I don't even think the fine's even necessary in that spot. I, mm-hmm. I can understand, like, the warning the first time or something. In my opinion, it's just the commissioner, the yeah. weasel, just trying yeah. to be the head honcho and knock down mm-hmm. all the shit. Yeah, so. I just, yeah, it, it's, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see how there's a finable offense there, and it just, it's, it, it's a very strange thing. It kind of like the the problem is they all start to get looped in together. Like Carolina, apparently, I didn't realize they're in all kinds of trouble right now because this is like the oh, second okay. or third game now that they're having delayed because of positive COVID tests on the team and such. Okay. Um, and. Now people are going to start to be like, oh, well, the Caps are in the same situation as the, uh, as the Canes. It's like, no, 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 no. These are different situations. This is somebody brought it in, got it however. These guys, as far as we know, don't have it. Exactly. And, yeah, unless if one of them knew that they had it or something, then that's yeah. a different so situation. Yeah, so I guess maybe but... more detailed or whatever. But yeah. yeah, I just thought that was a little fucked up, but. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just Batman laying down the law, especially with a key player out there, like just trying to enforce and put fear in everybody, in my opinion. What do you uh, think of Mark Stone being named the uh, captain of your uh, Golden Knights? Uh, first captain of the VGK officially. Uh, same day Dylan Larkin got named the captain I, yeah. of the Red Wings, too, which was uh, not too surprising with that. Not yeah. too surprising with Stone being announced captain of uh, Vegas, for sure. Well, I actually sure. thought maybe last year they might have done it with Flurry, but I don't know. I think it's hard. To, it's harder to do with a goalie these days. It is, yeah. Especially with the kind of we don't know what's going to happen with Mark Andre Fleury situation. Um, 
but I think I think it makes sense with Stone because a not only did he arrive there and kind of be an impact player right away, but he signed the big extension. Like he did sign the seven year extension or whatever it was. He probably to people outside of Vegas is your biggest name brand player. Um, so I mean, he is as your highest profile player. I think he's your what top line centerman or winger. Is he a, is he a winger? Or is he a centerman? Um, I want to say he's a winger. It could be, uh, um, but regardless, I mean, there's talk that Pacioretty, they're, that they're shopping Pacioretty. Pacioretty would have been another one that would have been up there. Um, I think if Nate Schmidt had stayed, he might have been in the running as well. But it just, yeah, it makes sense to me that Stone got it. Um, and I think he kind of had, it's weird to linger around without captains because what are you, like, I get it in the Vegas case, you're an expansion team and whatnot, but when you let it linger too long, it's just like, what's the point then? Like, what are you trying to prove by not having a captain at this point? Especially when it kind of, you have someone that it's like, we all know it's going to be this person. Yeah. Uh, he plays right, right wing. Does he? Okay. Yeah. So I guess it would be, uh, I know I thought Patretti's a winger too, but I guess who would be on that line now? Because they lost Stasny. I know it was Patretti, Stasny, yeah. and Stone. And Stasny's a centerman. But... Unless if Patchy moved to the center, if he was on the yeah, right. Maybe. Maybe. It's easier to move from a wing to a center, especially if you're decent with face-offs. But... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, L.A. was huge. That was a huge part of their second Stanley Cup run was the fact that, you know, out of their nine top forwards, something like six of them played center at the NHL level at some point and had success at and were known face-off people. So it's exactly, like at any yeah. given point, they always had two centermen out there. And for their power plays, they often had three or four sentiment out there. So it's like if one got tossed in the face-off circle, it was like, all right, next. Exactly. And that yeah, was a huge e- thing. Yeah, it'd be easier to switch them out if that were to happen instead of take the penalty. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was Jarrett Stoll, too. Like, I think that, that was the year like Jarrett Stoll went for like 80% over the entire playoffs in the face-off circle. Like, it mm-hmm. was insane. Um, but, yeah. And, ha- and uh, having quick as your goalie definitely helps. Yeah, especially then. Like, that's been a guy who's had a big drop, too. Like, he kind of yeah. went from elite level. And, I mean, he still could if he gets into the playoffs. But now, I don't know that L.A. gets into the playoffs anymore. Like, no, I think no. Not, not, not this year. Definitely not this year. And probably looking towards the next year, probably unlikely to. But that's the same with the Red Wings. I, I don't think they're going to get in this year or the next year. But they have a lot of young talent on the rise. Well, that's but so that's that could be an interesting move. Could you see that? Like the Wings could make a couple of trades, maybe bring they in a guy could. like a Jonathan Quick. I'd rather get some young talent to go with that team. But the thing is, after a while, you might run into some bad cap issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that, that, well, I might think as well try. Might as well try and create some uh, development while you can, though, too. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of glad that Howard uh, hung up the reins. Yeah, that was a weird one too. Like I kind of, I, I mean, Jimmy Howard kind of was found himself a man with no home there for a little while. I think that was kind of the issue he ran into. I mean, he was technically still a Red Wing, but he just not really wasn't the wing anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the fan base, the team itself, had lost complete faith in him. Where they were just kind of like, "Yeah, you ain't the guy yeah. anymore." Like. I mean, and, at that point, you'd rather almost have the emergency goalie on the bench instead of him. He had, well, he had, yeah, he had become a point where it was just, 
it wasn't a matter of could he get you anything. It was like it's only degrees of losing for the year. Mm-hmm. And even the past few years that we made the playoffs and all that, like four or five years ago, him and Razik, the duo, kind of helped yeah. lift it and helped sneak us into the playoffs barely. And then we yeah, made it. And Jimmy Howard kind of, and the interesting thing there too was, I mean, lest we forget, he was making a push, I think it was what, what was it, the 2014 Olympics, and looking at even being like possibly, the like maybe not the number one, because you still have like Ryan Miller and Jonathan Quick around, but he made the team as the number three. And there you was know, some talk of like, does he line up on the bench? Because it's like, do you have a bona fide number one backing up the other number one? and Or do you say like, hey, whenever Miller or Quick isn't in the net, they're the one up in the press box. And, you know, and you kind of have a rotation. Put a Howard on the, on the bench, yeah. Yeah, and, right. And get like a little for, experience with him, maybe. Yeah, and I think, too, it's also the idea, for instance, you don't want to start, like, in a worst-case scenario, let's say you had a situation where you have, like, John Pinkwick starting and Miller on the bench. God forbid you have a, a John Pinkwick get pulled or get hurt. You know, you put Ryan Miller in, who's now your de facto number one, and then he get hurt now you're stuck with uh, Jimmy Howard. And at the time, it didn't look like that was that bad of a proposition. So just it's amazing how things have, like, how they spiraled drastically out of uh, control for Mr. Howard there. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it fell apart for him. Like, maybe lack of focus. I I think he just went on a decent enough run with some key defensive players still at their kind of prime and Mm -hmm. just kind of kept him afloat. Yeah, made him look better than he was. For his, yeah, made him well above average when he was maybe slightly above average. Yeah, that reminds me kind of of Peter Neuver back in uh, Capitals and those uh, kind of when they had that really weird goaltending carousel there where they had Varlamov, Neuver, and Holtby all at mm-hmm. the, the same time. And Peter Neuver was for some reason the number one people. And I was just like, wait, what is going on? Huh? Here? <laughs> You're like permanently 13-year-old Peter Neuver is uh, yeah. a goalie. And I mean it was a kind of a thing. The Caps were always a stacked team, so he looked better than he was. Exactly. You know, yeah. He got favorable matchups. He was always getting the Columbus games, the Toronto games, the whatever. So he looked better than he was. And then you get in the playoffs and you're like, this guy's a dud. But in my opinion, another guy that might look a little better than he is, but still a really good goalie in my mind, still in the league, is uh, Vasilevsky. Yeah, I still can't, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm still not sold on Vasilevsky. Like, I think, I think that defense in front of him really prevails. Well, I think, yeah, I think that team's just fucking good. I think you can almost put a pylon in that net and win games. Like, it's mm-hmm. that's a good team. Like, that's a good team. They're sure it was. Tampa and Colorado in the Stanley Cup final, if that is uh, going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I guess the, the West would play the, I guess the winner of kind of the West would play the winner of the North. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I don't see any of the North teams. The only thing that could get in the yeah. way is, again, Colorado's not deep enough goaltending. Like we saw that last year. If Grubauer goes down, they go down. Like it, Oh, yeah. And fast. <laughs> and Almost, they can put up like six goals a game, but that might be kind yeah. of tough. That yeah, especially if you run into like a carry price, you're not putting up six goals on carry price. No, no, definitely not. Um, but that was yeah, when I was talking to Aaron and Spike, we were doing uh when I was doing their show, they said uh um Aaron and I were we both agreed. We said like well, I actually was the one that suggested and he kind of and he was like, Yeah, I could sit in that 
Montreal's bringing in Jake Allen to me was a very strategic move in that, yeah, Jake Allen's best days are behind him, but you've arguably now flipped him into one of those top three, number two positions in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And if Jake Allen can provide you with what a goal, with a backup goalie should be, which is winning two thirds of his start, it's, you know, against weaker team, you know, if they're getting, you know, um, like Winnipeg is playing set five games and seven nights. If you're getting Winnipeg kind of on that fourth or fifth game of that stretch, well, yeah, you could put a Jake Allen in there and grind out a three to two win. You know, you don't have to have Carey Price play those games. And I think Montreal could be employing some kind of strategy like that, hoping to keep Carey Price healthy and just ride him through the playoffs. Uh, and I think if their plan goes according to plan, then uh, yeah, that they both they will should be able to make a deep run, especially yeah, if they face they, off with uh, Toronto early. Mm-hmm. If they can, if Montreal gets a favorable matchup. I think uh, it could be a, a very difficult situation um, beating them, especially, if, again, if a team like Colorado goes down, all of a sudden, yeah. I mean, even a team like Vegas, I don't know that you beat Carey Price. Like, that's, that's what it comes no, down to. Is like Carey Price is still, in my opinion, the best in the game. And uh, Carey Price on top of his game. It's hard to disagree with that, yeah. You know, on, he's on a different planet when he's uh, at the top of his game. And I think – with the whole COVID thing, whatnot, it's allowed him to refocus. I think now he has a couple of kids now, or he had a new baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's so hard to hate Carey Price. Like when you see just how nice of a, like how genuinely nice of a guy he is. He's like a typical Fuck. Canadian. Yeah, he's just, he, he makes, he's so nice. He makes other Canadians look bad. Like he is just. He's like nice the one that got guy. pulled over for a hell of a good driving. <laughs> well, did you hear his um, thing with the kid whose mom died? No. Oh, this is a heartbreaking story. So um, a couple of seasons ago, um, he, um, there was this kid whose mom was sick, very sick. And the kid, I don't know if he was the family student ticket, but whatever. But the mom was very sick. And uh, Carrie got wind of this and invited the kid to a practice. And uh, the kid just found, like, well, not invited. He had told the parent, the dad, I guess, that, hey, like, I'll come and like whatever and because most practices are open especially back then you just go to a practice if you know when they are that's the hard part is you have to know exactly. when the schedule is um so if you know when the yeah even not even nights practices uh, uh, uh well up until they got kind of popular right before their first playoff yeah. season and all that yeah. then it was hard and to get into their practices yeah, but, but yeah i think that, i think everywhere they're open you just have to know when they are Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he um found out about this kid. So the kid, like, so anyway, Care Price comes over, introduces himself to the kid, and the kid just breaks down. And he's like, Oh my god, like, this is incredible. So mm-hmm. Carrie, like, gets off, comes and sits with the kid, chats the kid up, and he's like, Hey man, I heard about your mom. Like, hope all is like, you know, like, I, I'm really sorry to hear this. And he's like, Thanks, Karen, whatever. And Karen's like, Anyway, I have some stuff for you. And like, gave him like all this stuff. I gave him a stick, gave him all these things. And then he's like, Would you like a jersey? And the kid's like, Yeah. And then he goes, and then the trainer gives him a jersey, signs the jersey for the kid. And then he's uh-huh. like, Do you want this jersey? And then like, his private and the kid's like, Okay. And he's like, Sure. And then he takes off the practice jersey, oh, wow. he signs it, gives it to the kid, wow. hugs the kid up. And sits there in chats and whatever. And then he's like, hey, like, I, I got to go to practice now, buddy. But he's like, I'm giving you that. I'll give you that my cell phone number. Ever you have any problems, just give me a call, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, apparently, like, this was, like, a thing. Like, Carrie Price would check in with this kid, like, on a daily basis. Like, how you doing, whatever. And that year to the NHL award, as his date, he actually brought the kid. Um, oh, wow. Here. And I was like, you know what? Like, fuck, it's hard to hate Carrie Price now. Like, I exactly. hope he wins every Stanley Cup moving forward. Like, <laughs> like Exactly, yeah. He's such a gentleman guy and all that. And, yeah. and, and but, even some enforcers in the league and all that. I, I've watched some videos of like the Canadians practice and all that. And they brought like a local, like, a, mm-hmm. like, what was it? Like under 14 league or something. And mm-hmm. they like practiced around with the guys and all that mm-hmm. back when uh, PK was on the team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's they, they, to hate PK, yeah. and the whole organization chipped in and gave them some uh, brand new yeah. equipment and all that too. Yeah. And, Kind well, of PK like, gave what the ten million dollars to the hospital, and I, I remember too they asked it, yeah. they had asked him because he had pledged it, like he pledged X amount over whatever time plus a lump sum. And when he got traded to Nashville, they were like, "Hey, like we get it if you whatever." And he's like, "No, I made a commitment. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna honor that commitment. Like that's fine." And then I think he made a similar pledge in Nashville. Like mm-hmm. PK's too bad. Like for you know whatever he gets himself trouble, he gets himself into on the ice, off the but ice. He, he's he, all he, class. Yeah, he's exactly. Class. Yeah. He's all yeah, even some then. of the hotheads in hockey are like that too. I mean, just genuine and give back to the community, give their yeah. time, the, like encouragement and all that. I mean, not all is bad in the world, especially with some, a lot of these uh, athletes and all that. that they they want to give back to the community. Sometimes they just have too many options of knowing how to. It just makes mm-hmm. it too difficult for them. Yeah, it's true. It's hard. It is hard. And I mean, the hard part too is that it's a double-edged knife, I think, for a lot of kind of anybody in any any kind of realm of fame, and especially kind of an athletic thing, is that there's always this an anticipation that, oh, they have to be nice, oh, they have to give back, oh, they have to want to take a picture, they have to want to sign an autograph. And I think it's hard for people to accept the fact that that's actually not a contingency to being a whatever. And it's it's always nice to see when a player does give back and takes it upon themselves because the the part that people don't for, quite know or understand is what it took to get there. You know, it's the fact that it was the you were on a restrictive diet from the time you could think of what you wanted to eat. Like I had one friend I went to high school with who made it to the NHL, and I ended up working with his mom when I was working at this, at this one company, and she told me like she's like Fraser's. Fraser didn't have ice cream until he, until he got drafted to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Like from the time he was 12 years old, time he was drafted to the NHL, he didn't eat ice cream. She's like, when everybody else, when his brother, his sister, like that was just off the table, like potato chips. We couldn't have them in the house. Like mm-hmm. so many things that's like, it's tough to explain. To all him, those like, hey, greasy loaded carbs and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and forgetting that too, like, I remember the first time I ever got on the ice with him, I came home and I told my mom, I said, Hey mom, I think I met, I think I've seen someone who's going to make it to the NHL. And she's like, what? Mm-hmm. I said, bona fidely, my buddy Fraser, he's getting there. And mm-hmm. she was like, you think it really? And I said, he skates like an adult, like, 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 like he already skates like they do. Yeah. Like he's on a different level from the rest of us. And, and you can just uh, tell, especially with their puck handling too, and all that. Everything. He was already on a way different, way different stratosphere from the rest of us. Yeah. And that's also a hard thing growing up too, is knowing like not only are you better than your peers and whatever, like there's always like, oh, hey, I'm better than my friends. 
but he wasn't just better than his friends. He would have been better than just about everybody he ever played against. Mm-hmm. Like that's a t- that that weighs on you too as a kid. Like knowing that not only are you just like, hey, I'm good. It's like no, you're you are truly special. Mm-hmm. Like when everybody else plays this and and to piss away of money for their parents, for you it was a true investment on your parents' part. Like you have a bona fide shot at this, mm-hmm. and like it's it's pretty crazy. And I think that like these are the things they, they they kind of forget. Like it does fuck with you. Don't have a normal upbringing. You don't have a normal experience. You don't relate to people in the same no. way. Like your buddies are going out and saying, "Hey, let's go play shitty on the weekend." They're like, "Fuck, I ain't skating with you, asshole." If I get hurt, I have more to lose. If you get hurt, so what? Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll probably over? just walk it off or rest if, it. If I get fucking hurt, I that that could change my life trajectory. Mm-hmm. And. If, a, a lot of people know, only see you like the reward at the end, like the trophies, exactly. the the little mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's I, I saw something mm-hmm. with tennis actually on Instagram. I'm not sure if I shared it with you or something. It, like all the hardware, the stuff that you have to give up and all that. It's like an iceberg. You only see about 10% of the end mm-hmm. result compared to the 90% of the blood and sweat and effort that goes into it. And 100%. like with your buddy with a Frazier, I mean, at any given time, I mean – keeping that mentality of still being better mm-hmm. than anybody else and still learning as he mm-hmm. continued on is very, 100%. Uh, very 100%. fortunate. 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it, and it was, it's one of those things. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's, and it's a very different thing too, because I mean, you come out of that, like everybody, I mean, all Canadians who have ever, like most Canadians, I should say, have some degree of hockey story of growing up in their past. His hockey story is, yeah, when I played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, just like, wait, what the fuck? Like, that like every Canadian just, stream, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to fast forward past that? Here? Like, rewind. Tell me more. Hey, the rest exactly. of you, stop. <laughs> like, he's speaking. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. So who do you think wins the Cup this year? I'm still pulling for Colorado. I, I'd like to see them do it, too. I'd yeah. Like to it's a team that has a chance, in my opinion, and it really comes down to their goaltending. If they can stay healthy and still have a little depth, I think they're going to be very hard to beat. Kind of unfortunate that they kind of went off against the Stars last year. but Yeah, that was a weird one. That was yeah. a weird uh, and very Because I actually think they will probably slaughter uh, VGK in the next round. I think they would have won the Cup if they kept if Grubauer hadn't gotten hurt. I think I think they yeah. were t- they fuck, they were firing on a different. They were at a different speed than everybody else. Yeah, it's like, like everybody else was <laughs> four four banger engine. They were V eight. It was it was honestly it was like somebody punched in a cheat code when the games <laughs> would start in Colorado. Like, yeah, like two times speed. We're like what? Yeah. The fuck. But yeah, I uh, I'd like to see them make a run. I think what's going to be an interesting thing is going to be Edmonton. I think they're on the brink of implosion. Yeah, and uh, with them uh, getting uh, Stasny for sure is definitely going to help. Edmonton or you mean Winnipeg? Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking Winnipeg with that, but uh, sure. no, I'm, and I mean with Nugent Hopkins and uh, that first line, they're gonna yeah, be over. Well, I think I think what's gonna happen is if they don't make the playoffs again, I think Connor McDavid's gonna get sick of losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what you're going to see is I think he's going to go to management and be like, fuck, I've given you guys everything and I'm not going to give you the best years of my fucking career. You know, like that's the danger he runs into. Like 
yeah, other players have done it in this era, but they have kind of something to show for it. Like, yeah, the Kopitars of the world, the Canes, the Taves, whatever, they have rings. Mm-hmm. Like, even the Boston guys, they have cup appearances and rings. Crosby yeah. and the Penguins, they have rings. Ovechkin yes. finally got a ring. Like, exactly, they all have yeah. something to show for the sacrifice of sticking it out. Edmonton's bet, like, it just it seems like every year their best chances of making that run have, are behind them. And I don't think Connor McDavid is going to stand for it any longer. I can't, I, mean, I can't imagine someone that good saying, yeah. I just want to be on a shit team. He might as well go play in Columbus. Like, I don't think all honesty, Columbus, but... Uh, hey, they're better than Edmonton. They probably it, I, are right now, yeah. You know, I would say, in my opinion, McDavid wouldn't even ask for a change of coach. He just asked for a change of team. I think so, too. I don't think he's going to blame anybody. I think he's just going to say, hey, guys, no. like, I we tried. It's not going to work. I just yeah, move me, yeah. move me somewhere. Move me somewhere. You get a little value for me and make it I happen. Can't, there's only a few players that aren't touchable in a trade for McDavid. I mean, if you're Winnipeg, you're, you're – who are you not willing to offer? I mean, if you're it, any team, you're – like, the only teams that really have somebody that they – like, that they're like, yeah, we don't really need a McDavid because, like, Colorado's not going to give up McKinnon. Oh, We're oh not going to no, give no. up – Colorado does – like, their secondary options aren't good enough to equate to a McDavid, so they're – he's out there. Washington mm-hmm. isn't really going to give up anybody to get McDavid. You know, Crosby and the Penguins, they're not going to give up anybody – yeah, whether it's Crosby or Malkin, no, they want it. It's not happening. But I mean, when no. you, or Tampa Bay is not going to move anybody. But I mean, Toronto too, they're not going to move Marner or Matthews from state. No, no, they they definitely wouldn't touch Matthews. But no. I mean, and then you start looking at the teams that are two talent strapped. Like they're like, we don't have anyone. So you start to look at those middle teams, like you look at Winnipeg, and you're like, if you're Winnipeg, yeah, I'm willing to give up Ehlers and Line and a draft pick. Oh, I'm oh yeah. willing to do it. I'm willing to give up. Like that I, they would jump Winnipeg, on that in a heartbeat. <laughs> if you're Winnipeg, if you looked at it, called up Edmonton and said, "Look, we're going to give you Line Ehlers, our first round pick, and Laurent Brassois for Connor McDavid," I think Edmonton says done. I think they might yeah. say throw in a couple. They might say throw in a couple of second rounders next year, and they'd be like, "Fine, fuck it, done." And I we, think it, both because yeah, and it's a and win-win I, for both teams. Edmonton lot. becomes yeah. better. Yeah, they, they get a little more depth after that trade. And then uh, Winnipeg Jets becomes have... probably the best Canadian team instantaneously. Like, Possibly. If... I, mean, I would say Montreal still might be a little better, but. Yeah, well, the, Montreal, the, the, I think the difference though with Montreal, they have Sherratt and Weber as two premier shutdown defensemen, and they have mm-hmm. Carey Price. Like that's. Until Price goes, yeah. Yeah, once that kind of starts to finagle a bit then it's like yeah okay Toronto too because they are they are two strong lines deep like and that third line isn't bad either so like Toronto is again one of those teams where it's just like yeah they're, they're pretty deep um but yeah I think but I mean again you add a Connor McDavid to a team that's already quite good it's I mean he's fucking McDavid like that's like at the end of the day he's a generational talent like we can say like people can say like and, and I think that's the difference as to why, in hindsight, I had someone else tell me this, like when it came to McDavid versus McKinnon debate. McKinnon has put in all the work to maybe be an overall more impactful player than McDavid, and maybe right now is 
from a point of view of who would you rather have on the ice given the situation, yeah, McKinnon might be a little more clutch, whatever. The difference is McKinnon had to put all that work in and find ways to get there to be in that conversation. McDavid is still the bar in which we're measuring everybody against. Like, it's like, the, yeah. to me, it's like the basketball debate. Like, who's the greatest? Is it, is it Kobe? Is it Jordan? Is it LeBron? The difference is this. Nobody, nobody ever debates, is it Kobe or LeBron? It's always Kobe versus MJ or LeBron versus MJ. It, exactly. and, and, to, and to me, because the comparison is always against Jordan, it's Jordan. Mm-hmm. If you're having to compare against, it's Jordan. In tennis, it's going to be an interesting one. Because I think when, it's all, when it all goes down in history, I truly believe the conversation is going to be a couple of things. I think Nadal's going to go down as the GOAT. I think Djokovic is going to go down as probably the greatest overachiever in individual sports. And I think Roger Federer is going to be the ultimate what could have been in all of sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if Roger was healthier back about six, seven years ago, uh, where he had that little injury and that kind of even still to this day kind of slows him down. I mean, he's still very good on the grass game. He's still decent on hard. He's just continually making deep runs. It's just you can tell something's impacting him, but he's still striving through. I think the problem with the thing that, I, that I, I kind of look at when I think of Roger Federer is uh, with Roger Federer, it's, he's lost – there's too many times he's lost to Djokovic or Nadal in a major final. Yes, correct. It's, he's allowed them to bridge that gap because every time he loses to them, that's a two major swing because he doesn't get, pull away and they gain ground. Exactly. And too many times that's been what's allowed them to be in conversations with him. Yeah. Yeah. Especially two years ago, I want to say it was like the U.S. Open where uh, it was him and uh, Djokovic in the final. Mm-hmm. And he had like four set yeah. points or four match points and ended up still losing that match. Well, I think the last time they played in the Wimbledon final, he had a match point. He had two yeah. match points against Djokovic and lost and that lost that service game and then Djokovic came back to beat his ass. And it was like, yeah. it, you know, and I don't want to sound like a big event, but it's like it kind of serves you right. You should have yeah. gotten the job done. Like exactly. It's, those, it's a, those match points, you can't afford to lose one, especially against a key player like Djokovic. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's no different than when you look at, I mean, it's, 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 to use another poker analogy, you've got, to, you've got to make the most out of your winning hand. Mm-hmm. Especially in tournament, in cash games, it's different. But in tournament play, you have to make sure you're getting the they most. Make or break your tournament, yeah. Because let me tell you, your tournament, yeah, absolutely. Because especially you gotta play, when you, well, you especially when you start, well, especially when you start getting away from hold'em. Like I think that's the problem. Is too many. There's too many triple people draw. only pull, triple draw. Well, especially. exactly. How many times does a number three lose to a number two, or a number four lose to a number three? You know, that it more, happens more way often too. than you think, yeah. Exactly. And, and gotta, that's the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in like when you start getting into those mixed game events, the eight game mix, the mixed triple draws, how many times a number, especially in, in, in mixed triple draw where you have the ace to five. Mm-hmm. There's been like, it's funny because whenever we play the mixed triple draw, it's like one of the, like, you know, you kind of adapt your strategy as the tournament's going along and whatnot. 
But there's been many a time where I've pulled ahead because of having a strong ace to five round. And the other people at the table, they're, you know, they don't realize that, hey, yeah, you're on the brink of being eliminated because not only did you not survive what is clearly not as strong a game for you as you thought, but Badoogie's up next and that's your weakest game. So, you know, if you can't survive the Badoogie round, you know, you're back into the, you're back into the strongest games for kind of everybody. And you're into the games where you could easily get counterfeit. And I mean, especially when you get those awkward pat eights, like that's the worst in the, in, in deuce to seven is you get a pat like 87, like what, you you know, you can't really break it. You know, you get like the eight, seven, six, five, three. And you're like, I can't break it because if I get a four, I'm fucked. In that that situation, you got to know how your opponent plays and be prepared to either lose the minimal or, or win the most. Yeah. Because you're going to have to, because you, you can't let them draw free. No, you're no. You're betting you every, you're betting you every punch, street. You, you got to punish them if, yeah, if you've you got to put those chips player in. And all that, and they're drawing, especially two in the beginning. Well, I think it's funny because you get burnt with those 87s earlier in a tournament, and they mm-hmm. tend to pay off later in a tournament because those drawing rounds are so expensive that mm-hmm. if you have played well the whole time around now all of a sudden those messy 87s at the pat hand you're putting it's, that um, pressure on the opponent that now all of a sudden they get yeah. to that third bet they get to that third draw and it's like fuck no i gotta throw it they I don't look so ugly draw. anymore yeah yeah i can't afford to i can't draw and miss again like, exactly it, but they I might think, do one crack at it, and then if they realize they got to draw two again, they're not going to continue on. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's yeah, and it's I mean it's 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 like any of that. I mean, especially like I don't know if you saw this or um, but uh, or heard about it, but Bally's had a weird thing during. I think well, I hate to mm-hmm. do this, but uh, after we talk some poker here, I'm gonna have to wrap up because I gotta okay. go uh, help just the baby if that's okay. But um, it's. Uh, that main event thing, that was fucked up. That was weird, if I may say so. That was a weird move by the WSOP. Um, oh, what, with uh, having, like, American side and then the international? Yeah. But more importantly, the fact that they had a bona fide main event winner in the summer. Like, they had yeah, an I know. event that yeah, they that, labeled that's what I was wondering, yeah. And then they had the, like the guy even posted on Twitter his official letter congratulating him on winning the 2020 main event. He's like, I guess this means nothing. I wanted to be like, fuck, dude, you frame that because that shit's worth gold now. Exactly. Like, that's a collector's item. Um, but um, that was fucked up. That was I think so. Yeah. Up. They could have done like a second tier main event or something like that. Called it something something like that or something even if they had said the wsop 2020 world champion something other than i think poker players are weird and you know this there's two two terms in all of tournament no limit hold'em that get poker players hard more than anything and the two words are deep stack and main event Mm. players hear the word deep stack and they instantly get aroused they're Ooh, they play. start foaming and drooling at the mouth. Do they get so excited? Ooh, it's it's like rabies in a raccoon or something. One hundred percent. That's the first one. And main event. 
It's amazing how many times they tie the word main event to things that aren't even an actual main event. They're just like, oh, this is the main event of this circuit. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Is it though? Like, it doesn't even say that, but you've decided Almost, to fucking. Yeah. But anyway, people, people I think they, yeah. they, they should have divorced themselves from the term. They don't read that much. And yeah. Yeah, but just... it, was, it was a weird thing. And I think, so here's the cool, the crazy thing about it. So technically, I would have had to, if I had played it, I would have had to play the international route. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I made the final table of that, I would have had to fly to Rosvedov, go yes. through the quarantining there, win the Rosvedov one, quarantine mm-hmm. there to come back to Canada, quarantine here, just to mm-hmm. go to the States and quarantine there. Like, it, like, I'm like, what the fuck? No, no, it would have been like a full month of just quarantine. It would have been ridiculous, and and yeah. Baby Boy would have just been boring. So Jess was like, yeah. "That's just not even close to happening." But yeah. Valley's had something interesting. I don't know if you heard about during this, is they had that little main event mania, which was kind of like a mini World Series of Poker. I'm like, "Well, what is yeah. this? Why is this not happening? Well, why are people not talking about this gem of, a, of an event?" Yeah, I was talking to an old coworker that was uh, working it, and uh, he said they got it all right turnout, but not huge fields or anything like that so uh, well i mean people are it's so for me it's like it's one of those things if it came down to it i mean if, if circumstances were different yeah i'd probably be in there but at the same time i'm not gonna get baby boy sick i'm not getting mm-hmm. francis sick i'm not getting anybody else sick. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not happening so forgetting like i think that's where like from my standpoint that's my biggest covid related issue is that it's not so much whether I get sick or have any major issues from it, and and forgetting and you know forgetting the whole idea of COVID and all of that nonsense. We don't need to get into that. It's the biggest thing I think where what people really need to be cognizant of is you kind of have to decide what your COVID scenario looks like. Mm-hmm. If you kind of live by yourself, you're healthy and whatever, and you're willing and wanting to stay. I'm not telling people what to do, but that's a very different situation than when you do have live stakeholders in your day-to-day life. Exactly. You got to think what's best for you and what surroundings you're comfortable with being around and Absolutely. impacting other people. It, in this day and age, you got to think about others more than yourself and all that and know <laughs> best for who's around you and who's mm-hmm. part of what do you part think of life. What do you think of this? Uh, have you been following the Daniel Negreanu um, Doug Polk rivalry thing? Not really. I I don't really care for either of the players anymore. I pretty much follow Negreanu's <laughs> following. Yeah, I was gonna say, like it's funny. My kind of feelings on it too is fuck them both. Um, but uh, it's where's Elke? Weird... <laughs> well, but here's the other thing too: is the golden like Poker Go missed a golden opportunity with this. Because they could have easily done something like this where they said, hey, why aren't we using this to have more matches? Like, they had the 250 matches. They could have said something where they're like, hey, we're going to have these cat, these high-stake feud matches, 500 hands on Poker Go. And they could have done some really interesting stuff. Like, they could have had a Phil Ivey versus Phil Hellmuth. They could have mm-hmm. done the Negranu versus Polk. And kind they of had a more near record. <laughs> Pardon me? It would have been cool if they'd done like a little bracket or something like exactly a right, like something where when because then it's like even if it, it was just about the sports players or something, yeah, exactly. It makes it about the game. You know, you have like a Michael Mizraki versus Sean D, mm-hmm. right? Like kind of, you know, 
kind of like the heads up tournament or something like that, whether you make it like best two out of three wins or something like that, or exactly. you, just, you, can do so many you just do one it. trial or so many hands or. Well, and I think too, it's, it's, it's an especially interesting thing, especially like to me of all the sports, hmm. poker missed the ball the biggest through COVID. Mm-hmm. Like there was, I don't know why they're like, why you, they didn't make sure to push on ESPN and show all kinds of archived poker footage. I don't know why poker go hadn't been ramping up the shit like earlier, like Carrie case is smarter than this. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I, and nothing against Carrie, nothing at all against Carrie. It's just like, this was a golden opportunity for him. And for those that don't know, poker go is I think owned and, and was created by Carrie case. Mm-hmm. Um, then yes, that Carrie case, the guy who plays a number of high roller events. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yes, Kerry missed a golden opportunity there. Um, and I guess there's a lot of unknown. Maybe there was some restriction, whatever. But there was way too many things. I, I'm, I'm thinking there was restrictions where PokerGo couldn't have access to some of that archives or anything but, like that. Well, I think – but no, I'm saying, like, in terms of putting up new content, here's oh, what yeah. I think they could have done. And I think it should have happened. It could have happened. And, and – I don't know why it wouldn't happen. And Carrie, if you're listening, hire me. I'll help turn this around for you, buddy. Um, is this. Aria would have been happy to house any number of those players for two mm-hmm. weeks, for a month, for two months, for three months. Mm-hmm. Any of them would have been happy to stay special. there. Absolutely. Anybody would have been happy to stay there. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. hotel. It's a beautiful property. You can put mm-hmm. them all up in the set guy suite area, lock it down so that it's only them. Exactly. You know, and have the, like the dealer stay on property too. And absolutely. Yeah. And then you could have done a lot of neat things. You could have had way more poker after uh, after dark. You could mm-hmm. have been doing way more of the high stakes poker, but you could have been doing more of these things. Like, as I said, the high stakes feud should have prompted some thought to be like, hey, mm-hmm. this could be one matchup we do, but wait a second here. Maybe we do bring in some interesting things. Maybe we have spinal settlement. Maybe we do have Jungle Man and Dwan sit down and play. Ooh, that'd be fun. Right? Like maybe we have Hanson versus um oh god, Antonius. Right? Oh, like maybe yeah, yeah. you know, you do some of these things. You have a Johnny World Hennigan versus a Sean Deeb. You mm-hmm. have, you know, Brian Rast versus Dan Smith, you know. There's, there's, there's all of these things you could have done. You could have housed these people there. They would have all been could have the Michigan special Kata and uh Reese. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Probably the biggest comparison in today's poker community is those two, is where they're both going to finish, whatnot. Um, and I mean, Joe Cat has probably proven himself to be the best no limit hold'em player to win the main event of maybe the last of this era. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one who could really maybe compete is maybe Joe McKeon. Uh, but again, there That's you go. McKeon versus Cata. Um yeah, you know, you have Dario San Martino play somebody and probably blow a massive chip lead. Like it's yeah, it's, it's just what Dario does. I love Dario. I've got nothing yeah. against Dario. That's what no, Dario exactly. does. He's a fun player to watch. Dario does. Dario, I've never seen somebody show up to a final table with a chip lead as many times as Dario does and not get the job done. Exactly. Yeah. I I honestly think I should go to Dario. I should approach him and be like Dario. I will be your personal coach this summer. I will get you a bracelet. I think you just need the dude in your corner to just help you with the mental part. Because it's not a playing part. Because he gets there. 
So it's not a it's not a knowledge thing. It's not a plain thing. There's something else there. Yeah, that is, would, is preventing him from from locking it down. It'd be cool, like if they had like a little tournament uh, series, maybe 27, 36 players or something around there, and absolutely have like a ten event tournament series, and then at eleventh event, like based on points, and that's how many chips you start out with, and have one winner out of that field. One hundred percent. You could do so many things with it. You could have like a round robin style, like almost like a league of heads up kind of thing. Like today's matches, we've got Jungle Man versus Ivy. We got Dwan yeah. versus Helmu. We got Negrani versus Smith. You could have done so you, many things you, with it. You could have had a make, professional poker league. Yeah, you can make it like the NFL playoffs almost and hype it up kind of like that. One hundred percent, and sold all of that advertising space. Poker Go subscriptions would have gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. especially with nobody else having anything to do. I mean, YouTube videos have been going through the roof because nobody's got anything else to do. Nobody's got, I mean, those Paul brothers have become relevant because nobody's got anything else to fucking do. The Tiger King guy thought he was going to get a pardon. Like, that's the craziest <laughs> thing. Like, only in 2020 did a fucking jackass criminal think, I'm going to get a pardon. Donald Trump's going to see the documentary. He won't give me a pardon. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope, that didn't work. <laughs> not gonna happen this year. I mean, 2020 was uh, all screwed up, but not that screwed up. <laughs> and here's the craziest thing. So people talk like I I loved going into New Year's when people were like, "Oh, 2020 is behind us. Yay, 2021. Fuck 2020. Fuck 2020." We didn't start 2020 in the cave. We no. certainly don't lift like we're getting out of the cave anytime soon in 2021. No, it's gonna be 2020. Uh, 2021 like to gonna be a grind. Yeah, 2021 is becoming more depressing, in my opinion, than 2020. Because with 2020, there was a a degree. Huh? It started off kind of on the bad note. Well, here's the thing. With 2020, there was hope. Mm -hmm. Could we get a vaccine soon enough? Could we have heard? Could we be back to some degree normal? I don't, the, the, the psychological damage that has been done to our society through this whole process. Mm hmm. Normal coming out of this is not what normal was going into this. There are some people that aren't leaving their homes again. There oh, are some people, you know, the, the modern workplace is different now. Like there's places up here, like I don't know if it's happening down the state, but up here there's a lot of employers that are saying to people, hey, I'll shave 10% off of that salary, but you get to you work from home. home. Yeah. And people are like, deal. Yeah, that's even happening in the States and all that. And even some states have made uh, like ordinances or whatever, where if people can get the work from home done, they have to work from home. It's like they have to follow. Otherwise, that company could be fine. Yeah. And that's kind of becoming that could be a thing, too, moving forward is just if you can arrange people to be working from home, they have to Mm -hmm. do it. I mean, I look at from kids. Like, you know, because little guy is so cute, we, you know, Jess is almost convincing me that another one could be on the horizon. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> um, they are great. I, you know, it's funny because I never, a couple of years ago, never would have thought so, but fuck. I know, I, I, born, I've known you for years and yeah. From the minute he was born, I was like, this, fuck, this is, yeah. this is what it's all about. This I was so happy for you when you first told me like, oh man, that, oh, that was a while back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, but yeah, we, like, I don't know that I would ever have her do any kind of work that isn't from home. 
Like I would much rather have her home with the kids all the time. And I think our little guy is going to come with us as we wrap up the episode. But uh, for all you listeners, our little guy here is here. He's with us. Uh, You might hear him on the podcast, but uh, nonetheless. um, Yeah. So anyway, I think I'm going to wrap up the podcast there. If that's all right, buddy. Um, you guys have the Vegas Squares podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that first, and then uh, we can wrap up. Absolutely. I mean, uh, every year with Vegas Squares, we cover NFL. We do a golf podcast. We do snippets here and there. Uh, cover some oddities, too, even tennis, uh, March Madness, NBA, baseball. Have uh, guest appearances and all that of the dude sony d and uh others for sure on the podcast you can find us on uh, 12 ounce sports media at 1212oz.com uh we're on spotify now on podcast on there uh you could even find us on our own website at vegasquares.com follow us on twitter vegas squares podcast or even on facebook and all that so and uh i'll add in something like i've always i've always the way I've always tried to describe you guys as quickly, but to the point as I can, is always it's sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. Yeah. And it's a truly interesting, unique perspective. So everybody give them a listen. Um, I have nothing. I will always push these guys. These are um, my personal friends. Even if we didn't all have podcasts, I would still be spending as much time with these guys as possible. Absolutely. Um, and I think what, what's really cool that you guys do too is you don't just get into the sports side of it. You also do the sports betting side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys offer that. And I mean, especially you guys are based in Vegas, um, having that insight there. It's really cool that you're able to kind of offer that, not just, oh, hey, we're just another bunch of guys talking about sports. It's not, we talk about the betting lines. Yeah, we talk about what are the good bets. We make the picks based on lines and things like that, which is really Yeah, cool and well. s- certain situations that might happen. I, I know I bet a decent amount of in-gaming special when it comes to tennis and all that, and especially with Australian Open coming along. I usually don't post too many bets on Twitter like I used to and all that because I do a lot more in-game now. So, mm-hmm. No, I think uh, it's really cool what you guys do. Well, I am the dude, Sunny D. Uh, we've had Token Tony on today. I thank you all so much for tuning in to this uh, episode of the Team Legit Podcast. And uh, the crazy... Uh, Jess and I, uh, I'll tell you off the podcast what we were at on subscribers, which was crazy. I couldn't even believe it. It was like yeah. an overnight thing. I was like, what the fuck? How um, many? Uh, how many I'll tell you after. I'll tell you when we got oh, okay. And uh, it was, I was like, whoa. And, and especially since we're only on like one platform too. Like that's oh, the craziest okay. part. Um, but uh, yeah, it, um, uh, so I thank you all so much for the continued growing sports around the students your podcast. I love doing that. Uh, Thank you all. Uh, if you're already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude, Sunny D. Uh, make sure to check out the Vegas squares. Uh, thank you, Token Tony, for being on the show. Otherwise known as Uncle Steven and my little boy, my little boy. Uh, we yeah. thank you so much. Take care and bye-bye for now.